This is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Estefania Fadul, and we cover a little bit of everything from theater to kindness to mentors to directing, producing, upcoming Redwood, and the Ensemble Studio Theater, and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Estefania Fadul. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Estefania Fadul. Estefania, thank you for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. So much I want to talk about from the Ensemble Studio Theater with Redwood opening at the end of October and so much more. But before we get to any of that, I really want to take it back to the beginning of time for you. What were your entertainment dreams growing up? Um, I I loved theater since I was very young, like so many of us, I think. Um, oh, yeah. And yeah, I mean, I think even from the time I was pretty little, uh was just kind of fascinated by I think the magic of theater. I remember seeing a a production of Peter Pan in Columbia, which is where I was born. Uh, I must have been like four or something, uh, and just really falling in love with it. And yeah, growing up, you know, we moved to uh, New Hampshire when I was five, and I think you know going back to visit family in Columbia every year and always kind of put on plays with cousins and and family members. Um, and I think I started off like so many of us, you know, wanting to act um, and then found my way to more of the kind of behind the scenes roles and really loved, um, realized I loved directing by the end of, of high school. And uh, that kind of shaped my my trajectory in college. And then was there a particular show or defining moment for you when you were like, yes, this is what I want to do? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, there probably was, and I can't even remember it. <laughs> I love but I do I love think it. like so much of, um, you know, growing up, I loved going to see theater, but I also really loved the uh, the circus would come to my hometown every summer. And I always really just was kind of in awe of the spectacle of it. Uh, and I just remember that that kind of joy or that feeling that I would feel at the circus is something that I think also really kind of drove me. Also, growing up, what did your parents teach you about kindness? Oh, um, I mean, I think it was so intrinsic to the way that they think about things and kind of move through the world. And I think that, um, you know, I think from an early age, the idea of kind of leading leading with kindness and and compassion and trying to see other people's points of view on things and not making assumptions, I think was something that they really... Uh, instilled in me. Not that I'm, not that I'm good at that all the time, but I think was definitely the, um, I think a driving force that they, that they led with. It's definitely a practice, but it makes life a heck of a lot easier when you can step out of someone's reaction <laughs> as opposed to a response and be like, you know, maybe that has nothing to do with me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's always, yeah. It takes practice for sure to remember that a lot of the time, but I think that, yeah, there's so many times too, when we realize that about ourselves, right? Like our reactions to something are not necessarily related to the other person more about what's going on with us. Yeah. Right. Like the, the lady doth protest too much, you know, something <laughs> like that. I, uh, a curious, similar question. Um, but in regards to work ethic, what did your parents teach you about work ethic? Um, I think that, you know, both of them, I think had very strong, have very strong work ethics. Um, mm. 
And that was always, you know, even just with school, that was something that was instilled with me pretty early on um, in terms of just, I would say maybe like rigor around schoolwork um, and, uh, you know, different commitments or activities or, uh, you know, things like that. Uh, just kind of keeping that that follow through and taking initiative and um, I think just trying to make the most of experiences or situations. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that was that was definitely uh, a big thing for them growing up. Do you have or did you have, do you have any mentors and are there any standout lessons that come to mind? Yeah, I think I feel like I have so many mentors <laughs> And I'm very appreciative and grateful for all of them. Um, I think that, you know, there's people I would think of even from, you know, middle school, certain teachers that I think uh, really both inspired me, but also just had a belief in me that I think really uh, helped me decide to pursue certain things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so even though they weren't mentors in the traditional sense, I think they absolutely were part of forming me and also uh, just encouraging me to pursue things that I wanted to pursue. Um, and then I think kind of more in the in the professional realm, um, you know, I was very lucky to assist many different directors. I think I assisted uh, seven or eight directors uh, earlier in my career. And I think all of them were so different in their styles, uh, both on a personal level and in terms of how they work the room. And I learned so much from all of them uh, in different ways. And so, yeah, I mean, I think trying to think of like one one lesson is is hard to narrow down. But I do think that overall, the people that I think really uh, kind of made a big impression, I think, was also uh, the people who created a room that was just a joy to be in and where it was really about uh, the people and the experience. Um, and I think that's a lesson that I really taken with me. I'm curious too, when it, when it came to assisting directors, how, whatever, whatever, if ever, anything you learned about how they would, um, direct a room, control the energy in the room, be a leader of the process. Does anything come to mind? Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting because I feel like directors do that in their own specific way. Um, we'll get to you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's no kind of, uh, you know, one, one way that everyone did it. But I think, uh, I think what was interesting was, was realizing that actually that like everyone had their own way of going about that. And I think for some people in terms of how they created collaboration, um, in the room, uh, I think everyone had their own kind of like container for how they created that space. Um, and I think, you know, for some people it meant saying kind of yes to every single idea that popped into the space. Um, and for some people, it meant uh, just the way they approach staging a scene um, and having that come kind of first from the actors. Um, so I think, yeah, just very different ways. I think that people do that. And I I think the big, the big takeaway for me was that there is no kind of one way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm particularly curious about, and we can break this down to like producing and directing mm-hmm. separately, but I'm particularly curious about your journey to, um, we'll start with, with directing. Um, what was that thought process or defining moment where you had decided this is definitely, you know, a shift or a place I want to focus my energy on? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I think as I mentioned, you know, from the time I was pretty young, I would put on plays with friends and and family members, and I would say in that, in a you know very uh, low key amateur way, I was both directing and producing those, uh, <laughs> and which is interesting because I think that is actually very tied to uh, my career in a way where I've done a lot of self producing, um, and so while the two are separate in so many ways. I also think they've also been linked for me in many ways. Mm. Um, I think that by the time I got to high school and I knew I was, I wanted to direct something. Uh, mm. And I started a, like a student run theater company at my high school, my senior year uh, in which I directed a play. And I think that was maybe the I was also self-producing it, um, and, you know, like buying the dollar stores to, you know, find props and things like that. Uh, sure. And rehearsing, we were rehearsing in my basement, you know, things like that. Uh, yeah. And I think that that was just such a fruitful experience. And really, um, I really love just having kind of an eye on the overall picture of things. Um, and then when I got to college and knew that I was very interested in directing, but I think still kind of figuring things out. Um, the the program that I went to was more of like a general theater making major. Um, and so a lot of it was very focused on the kind of conceptual part of directing. Um, and I think that also just allowed me to approach it in a slightly different way. And by the time I left college, I definitely knew that was what I wanted to focus on. Um, but again, like even in, in college and then also post-college, a lot of it was also tied to self-producing, um, either with student groups on campus uh, or post-college uh, in wanting to you know, find more opportunities to direct the work that I was more interested in, uh, co-founding a theater company with some friends from college, like so many of us have done in the early, early years. Um, and yeah, and I think like even to this, you know, to this day, I still self-produce some projects that I'm super passionate about that maybe aren't quite a fit for more traditional theater company to to take on um so yeah i think i've always felt like i was a pretty split like left brain right brain kind of kind of person um so the two have often been hand in hand for me yeah it's quite a balance <laughs> with business and creativity yes <laughs> to, yes to get a piece of theater uh, or art, you know, to its final destination, whatever that is. Yeah. Uh, and I think as a director, it's, it's always been amazing too to be able to let go of the more businessy side of it. You know, when I am in a situation where another company is producing something that I'm directing, sure. um, but then sometimes I miss having kind of more of the control that comes with also producing it. So it's, you know, it's a, <laughs> it's a give and take. That's a large reason that I got into producing myself, but curious with producing, how has that opened your mind to what's possible and what you can do? Cause it, it seems like, you know, the second you finally realize that it's all up to you and that there's really no stopping you besides yourself. I'm, I'm curious if you've had that discovery and that journey and if you could speak on it at all. I think it's so fascinating. Yeah, in terms of the possibilities, you mean, of, of producing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, the thing with producing is that you kind of make make what the container is 
for the artist, whether that artist is you and your collaborators, if you're self-producing or, or other artists, if you're producing someone else's work. Um, and I think that we're just in a really exciting time right now where the way that things have always been done is being really broken apart, um, and examined. And I think there's just so much possibility in the, what if we do it this way? Or why have we always done it this way? Um, what, what are the things that we've kind of gotten used to as being, you know, the standard way things are done? Um, and how can we actually tailor things more to the specific project, the specific artists and what those, you know, those hopes and dreams are. Um, and I think that, yeah, for me in producing, especially in thinking about producing um, work that other artists are are taking on, it really feels like it's almost like creating that container for that possibility to arise. Um, knowing, of course, as we all, as we all know, there's obviously budgetary constraints always and things like that. But I do think that often thinking outside the box with those things or or using those as creative limitations, so to speak, I actually think a lot of um, a lot of cool ideas can come from that. Love that. How have you gotten better at communicating as a result of directing? Um you know, I think it's been I think it's been a journey. I think so much of directing is communicating. Uh, I mean, in addition to to so many other things. Um, but I think that with each project and with each um, collaboration, I think I've learned, I've learned so many things that then impact the next project. Um, mm -hmm. And so things like the importance of regular check-ins um, has been something that you know, over the years, I came to realize just how important that can be to a process. Um, I think something that has become much more common in the last few years and certainly has helped me a lot is the setting of community agreements with the team at the beginning. Um, just because there's something to just articulating how we are going to collaborate together that I think opens up communication from the start, hopefully in the best case scenarios. Um, and I do think, you know, a, a rehearsal process, a creative process can be, it's so personal for people. And I think it can affect people in different ways in the process. And it's hard to always be aware of how that can be affecting different people along the way when there's, you know, a lot of people involved in something. And so I think that almost having more, um, more kind of structured channels of communication can often help just make sure that that, that that stays open. Um, hmm. Yeah. And I think in terms of, you know, one thing that I know for me has been huge is just learning, uh, learning how to not shy away from conflict um, and knowing that conflicts, mm -hmm. you know, respectful conflict, I would say, can be actually a very positive thing. Um, and disagreement can be very exciting in terms of like what can emerge from it. Uh, and I think that that's something that I've just over the years gotten better at and I'm always striving to improve on. Um, cause I think it can feel so personal sometimes and scary, but, but I have found, and I've been taught this, I feel like by a lot of people who've been able to approach it so openly with me, for example, that it actually doesn't have to be a scary thing. And usually it's actually coming from this place of care and wanting to, mm. um, wanting to further strengthen our relationship and, 
not wanting resentments or things to build up, which I think is mm. something that can can happen during a rehearsal process. Um, yeah. yeah, it's that open communication that makes all of the difference. Being just being really transparent across the board. So, and I love that you dove so deep on that. So, thank you. Yeah, for... of course. And I think also like people communicate differently, which is something that I've also come to realize, even just in simple, even if we're talking about like email versus text or phone calls or you know things like that just kind of uh defining that more for ourselves at the beginning so we know how different people like to be communicated with i think can really help yeah how do you find the balance between letting things happen and making things happen <laughs> in theater um it's a great question um i think i mean if i'm thinking about producing, for example, in particular, um, I think of the role, my role as producer often as uh, like actively creating a container so that folks can have their kind of fullest, bravest process. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that requires both making things happen and letting things happen, as you're saying. I, I do think that in my experience with directing and producing, I found that the more kind of time and attention is spent on creating the foundation for something, um, it allows for things to then happen. Um, but with kind of taking that care and time at the beginning to make sure it's happening in a in a container that folks feel good about. And so I do think, um, I think one of my big, big revelations to myself about producing this year, um, in producing other people's work is that it in the same way that I think of directing as creating that container for the rehearsal room to hopefully thrive from. Uh, I realized it's actually very similar with producing in a way you're just creating that container. So that then the creative team and then the actors and everyone else involved um, can do that also. Hmm. I love this analogy of container. I know you've met, you've used it a couple of times. I'm curious, uh, where did it come from? <laughs> and what is it? Is it re if you're referencing when you say the container, you mean the whole company, the whole production, or is it different? Or you see it differently? Yeah. Uh, great. In terms of where does it come from? Like, I don't even, I feel like it's something that I have heard used a lot by many different people over the years. And I just think that yeah. there's something, um, you know, it's interesting because actually I do think that often intimacy directors will use that kind of language um but i also think it comes up in directing a lot in terms of you're kind of creating the conditions for the work to happen um and yeah i think that yeah there's something even just like that idea of like of of a box and thinking outside the box and what's in the box i just think there's something uh that was drilled into me i would say pretty early on like even in college, I think with just the idea of once you know kind of what you have to work with, um, and what the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for the, the kind of parameters of of what you have to work with. That's kind of what things can can thrive from. Um, and so I think that analogy of a container is just uh, very present for me in that way because I think we're kind of creating what those what that box is to play in. That's is there that I mean that makes complete and total sense to me <laughs> so you can address that is there a particular project that has taught you the most about yourself 
Um, it's interesting. I, I feel like all of them teach me something about myself. Um, I'm trying to think if there's one that stands out. I mean, I think, uh, a, a more recent example, I think is a, a devised project that I did a few years ago, um, which was an immersive quinceañera. It's like a, a 15 year old birthday party. Um, but the idea was to mobilize Latina voters to the polls last election. Uh, and that was a multi-year process with an ensemble that we created around the project. Um, and I think it, it kind of reconnected me to my love of devising and group creation. Um, and I think it, it taught me a lot of things along the way, just because you're involved in so many different ways we were we were a self-producing it but we were also creating it together and there was also a huge part of it was uh the community engagement that was so integral to the piece um and i think that it it taught me a lot about both just the kinds of collaborations that i'm drawn to uh and the the work that really speaks to me um and i think also just the type of process that makes me really excited, which is, you know, some of those like longer term processes where the director is also a generative artist collaborating with a group of people, all those things really excite me. And so I think I learned a lot about myself both, you know, I, I grew a lot, I think on a personal level and on a creative level with that project. I love that. I love that. And I love that we're having this conversation too, because I, my brain has been so much in commercial theater deadlines. It is so nice <laughs> to have a conversation about creating art for like art's sake, you know, and not having all of these arbitrary business deadlines on it where you can actually be a part of the, the creation. Like you said, you know, the director really getting in the, in the sandbox, I guess, with the, with the performers yeah. and, and the piece itself. Yeah. It's interesting because it is, I think it is rare to be able to have some of those processes within like the structure of U.S. theater um, mm -hmm. and obviously that goes back to funding models and lack of funding and, and so many so many different things but but I think just with that one in particular I think that because it was a self-driven project and it was also self-driven by like the full ensemble and on top of that it happened we kind of landed in 2020 when we were gearing up to really um you know to really like kick up production a notch i would say um i think one of the things that we've often reflected back on is that the reason we were able to do it the way that we did it was because we found ourselves on unemployment in 2020 um having the the time and space and also just the, the money that was coming in from unemployment for the mm. for the ensemble to be able to take this time with it uh, which is something that, you know, I'm very conscious that like, that's not always, those circumstances are obviously not always in play for projects like that. Yeah. I mean, but it's also nice to, to take advantage of that and to have that moment too, which is, you know, special all in of itself. I'm curious through time to date, how has your taste evolved in the work you, you participate in or the, or the people you work with? Um, I think that, you know, I don't know that it's uh, evolved in huge ways, um, but I think that the it's only just kind of reiterated or uh, 
I would say like the, the things that excite me about theater, I think have only gotten stronger, which um, I'm just always very excited by uh yeah, theater that feels, um, this is just a really obvious way of putting it, but like super theatrical. So like theater that like we're in space with, I love, I love work that involves music or that involves movement or ensemble work um, mm. and things that just feel um, like we're experiencing them together with an audience in that space, in that moment. Um, and, you know, you could say that about so many different different types of theater but I do think I'm I've always as I mentioned earlier there's something about the kind of awe and wonder of spectacle that has always very uh been very exciting to me about theater that feels specific to theater as opposed to maybe other forms of storytelling mm -hmm. um and I just think there's something about when you can tell that a piece has been really shaped by by a group of people in the rehearsal room and you can kind of see uh the the rigor that went into it that always feels very exciting to me um and yeah and i think you know personally i feel like theater is always political whether it's overtly political or or more subtly political um and so i think just finding to me i'm always just drawn to work i think that uh that feels like it's really speaking to the community it's in at the moment whatever that may be. Love that. Do you, do you have any changes that you've made maybe since the pandemic that have increased positivity and decreased negativity in your life? Um, I think that, you know, with, with the pandemic. And I think, as I was mentioning with this project that, uh, that we were doing in the middle of the pandemic, um, I would say one thing is really trying to just focus on the the projects that bring me that kind of joy in the creation of them and also just feel very, um, I guess, urgent to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I think like on, you know, recently started going to rowing classes. Okay. <laughs> That's been that's been fun and a new, a new thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've, I've tried certain things over the last few years and it, and, you know, it's things that have kind of me have done for a little while. And then as, uh, as things have changed either in my schedule or, or in my work, um, you know, haven't always kept them up, but. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, I, I noticed personally, Getting rid of the time on my phone has done wonders mm. for my happiness. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's just, it's like less is more. The more you subtract from life, the happier. Oh I so true. So true. Yes. Myself to be. I, I'm so glad that we got to do this and take the time. I just have a few more before we wrap up today. Um, curious. Do you have a most gifted book or favorite books? Do any come to mind in this moment? Um, I would say one of my favorite books is A Hundred Years of Solitude um, by Gabriel Garcia Marquez, who is my fellow Colombian. Um, but yeah, that's a book that I, I mean, I think I read it for the first time years ago, but I think the just the scope and scale of it was always very exciting to me. Um, yeah. 
metaphorically speaking, if you could put a word or a phrase on a billboard, or literally, <laughs> for, for millions of people to see, does anything come to mind? Uh, <laughs> um, this is terrible, but like, you are alive. I don't know. I just think there's something about like yeah. that remembering that we are, we are alive in this moment. And that, uh, you know, I think sometimes with the, with all the stuff day to day, just taking that time to be fully present, I think is a reminder that I, that I would appreciate personally. <laughs> I think that's great. It's, it's wild to think how often we go through life, especially in theater and not realize how great it is to just be alive. And that it's like, really, this stuff matters, but in the grand scheme of living and dying, it does not. So enjoy being alive. So I think that's, I think it's absolutely wonderful. I am so glad that we got to take the time. I do want to do the shout out here. Um, and I can't wait to see it. Redwood opening at the Ensemble Studio Theater. And I love the tagline at the end with acid, wit, love, and dance. <laughs> Redwood ponders the project of interracial family making in a haunted country. I am very interested to see that. And I, before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to add in regards to that or anything else? I think just to say that we are really hoping that people come see Redwood. It is a beautiful, beautiful play. And Brittany is writing about really deep meaningful topics um to our country today uh but with so much humor and comedy and joy and i think that that mix of things is what makes this play really special people of the world estefania fadul you've been listening to entertainment x the podcast you can follow entertainment x on instagram at underscore entertainment x underscore if you haven't yet go to apple podcasts and subscribe rate and review this podcast join clay next week for another curiosity conversation on entertainment x thank you for listening <laughs>